You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Everyone is facing these huge, life-changing moments. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. I think it really is important for folks to reach out to people so they can know that they're not alone. We don't know how long all this is going to go on for. And from an emotional standpoint, psychologically, that's a really difficult, difficult thing to grapple with. This is KCBS In-Depth. The Bay Area and California seem to be making progress on the COVID-19 pandemic. New case numbers are dropping in many places. Hospital beds are opening up. Lots of encouraging signs to be found. But as summer becomes fall, another public health risk is approaching the annual flu season. I'm Keith Manconi. This is KCBS In-Depth. And today on the program... We'll hear why public health experts are worried the coming flu season could make the COVID pandemic even worse. And also what they're hoping residents will do to prepare. Starting off, we are going to welcome on one of those public health experts. That would be Dr. George Hahn, who's a deputy health officer for Santa Clara County's Public Health Department. Been on KCBS In-Depth before. Dr. Hahn, welcome back on the program. Glad to be here. Well, help us wrap our heads around this, because I think that we're all fairly used to this concept of the flu season. It's something that we've been dealing with for years and years and years. We have some idea of the proper steps to go through to deal with it. But folks are saying now that it's presenting some new risks because of the pandemic. Why is that? Well, I think uh, the issue here is that we have widespread COVID-19 and it continues to be um, transmitted uh, within um, our area, within the, the country. And uh, because of that, if uh, the flu virus is then introduced in, into the setting of the pandemic, um, it's concerning that uh, it could set off another uh, wave of hospitalizations and illnesses. Um, usually what happens every year when flu season comes around is uh, millions of Americans uh, get the flu and hundreds of thousands of them get hospitalized with unfortunately tens of thousands um, dying every year. Uh, and you know, what we're, we've been trying to do this whole time has been to um, keep uh, uh, our hospital capacity um, so that, that we can take care of patients who are really sick with COVID. And if we add on top of that um, patients who need hospitalization because they had the flu, then you can see how we could run into some trouble. Right. And with those storm clouds on the horizon, the county and uh, actually many other agencies throughout the country are trying to step up the efforts to encourage residents to get the uh, flu vaccine, the flu shot this year. And the county is actually rolling out uh, one of the programs this very weekend. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. That's correct. Um, uh, The county is providing free flu vaccine Uh, to anyone age three and older um, at the Santa Clara County Fairgrounds. And this is occurring uh, every Saturday, um, starting this Saturday, tomorrow. And uh, this will continue every Saturday uh, through uh, mid-December. We also encourage everyone uh, to get the flu shot who's six months of age and older. Um, The young kids can uh, get their shots at their pediatricians. Uh, Many pharmacies uh, will stock the flu vaccine as well as doctor's offices. So this is not your only chance to get it. Um, But but the county did want to make sure that we offered a um, place for folks who don't have access to flu vaccine uh, to to get it um, for free uh, without an appointment, uh, because we do think it is so important for everyone to get the flu vaccine this year. 
All right, so way to get free flu vaccine shot in Santa Clara County. Similar programs uh, elsewhere as well. What can you say about what we've seen in past years in terms of the rate of people getting the flu shot? Is uh, Do past years give us something to feel good about, or, or is this really something that we'd want to see an uptick in this year in order to feel confident going into the flu season? We really would like to see an uptick in the, the number of people who get the flu vaccine this year. Um, usually in past years, uh, less than half of people actually get the flu vaccine. Um, and, you know, it varies depending on the age group that you're talking about. But um, this year, we would love to see an increase in that percentage. Uh, we would love to see a majority of people get the, getting the vaccine. Um, and we do want to also uh, remind folks that um, the flu is particularly nasty for people who have um, pre-existing medical conditions, uh, heart disease, lung disease, uh, uh, diabetes, uh, obesity. Um, and there's also the, the, the risk for folks who are older adults and pregnant women and children, um, and particularly young children. So uh, for and. You know, unfortunately, those are some of the same groups that are severely affected by COVID as well. And so um, the best thing to do is to get your flu shot. And that helps uh, put your mind uh, at ease that you're not going to get hit with a double whammy. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the thing with the flu vaccine, of course, is that it, it doesn't necessarily prevent all, all flu cases. Um, it does prevent some flu. Um, but uh, importantly, it also prevents you from being hospitalized and dying if you do still get the flu. So um, that's why we encourage folks to get it. One thing that, um, that folks may want to keep in mind is that um, there's, there's not uh, much difference between uh, flu uh, symptoms and COVID-19 symptoms. So it can be really hard to tell the difference um, because they all, they both can result in fever, or coughing, um, sort of muscle aches, body aches, uh, sore throat. And so because you can't tell the difference, um, if you do end up getting the flu, you might think you have COVID and uh, so might your doctor. Um, and so we would have to test you for both. And so if you get a flu shot, that, your, that sort of lessens the likelihood um, that, that you'll have, um, you'll get the flu at least. Yeah, a lot of important points right there. Uh, before I let you go, one more quick question. So we're talking about the major concern here is the hospitals getting overwhelmed with both the flu and COVID-19 circulating at the same time in the coming weeks and months. Looking at the hospitalization rate right now in Santa Clara County, it looks like uh, the the bed the beds are about 60% full right now. So it seems that there's uh, quite a bit of give at the moment. Uh, help uh, paint that picture for us of how that could turn. What, what would that look like in the coming months if the flu really did take off. Uh, are, are we are we imagining scenarios where that last forty percent gets uh, eaten up in uh, in a way that we can't really you know respond to quickly enough? Yeah, I mean the one thing that I, that we always say about flu is it's unpredictable. You you, you can't predict what's going to happen. Um, it, it it surprises us constantly, and so um, we think that the best approach is to uh, be humble and and prepare. Uh, be prepared, you know, rather than, than take a chance that, that the flu um, might not come around so bad. Um, and so uh, what uh, may surprise many people is that every year um, uh, during flu season, um, our hospitals uh, tend to fill up uh, completely. And so we'll have days where a hospital has no open beds at all. 
um, because they're so full of flu patients. Um, and then they go on diversion and, and they have to send patients uh, to other hospitals. And that happens in, um, in many years, actually. And so it's, it's very easy to see how um, hospitals could fill up just from flu uh, alone. And so that's why it's a little concerning that, you know, if on top of that we have uh, um, COVID patients, um, that, could, that could easily put us over the top. But that's why, you know, we're uh, trying to do as, uh, everything we can in the healthcare system, health system, uh, to prepare for the possibility of handling more patients. But at the same time, we are hoping that folks will uh, go out and get their flu shots to decrease uh, the chances that that would happen. All right. A lot of important facts to uh, for everybody to keep their eyes upon. We have been speaking to Dr. George Hahn, Deputy Health Officer for Santa Clara County's Public Health Department. No, you've got to run lots of uh, important public health duties to attend to. So thank you once again for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Talking about the twin-demic, as it's being called, as the COVID pandemic continues to circulate and the annual flu season approaches. Going to continue the conversation now with Dr. Michael Mathe. He's a professor of medicine with UC San Francisco who specializes in severe lung disease. Welcome to the program, Dr. Mathe. Thank you. Glad to be with you, Keith. So, Dr. Han raised uh, a lot of important points right off the top, but I want to dig into a number of them in a little bit more depth with you, starting with the point that he was making about the possibility that these diseases could interact in some way, you know, whether perhaps you catch COVID and flu at the same time, or maybe one after the other, what could that mean for somebody's health? Is that, uh, is, is two greater than one in terms of risk in this case? Yes, uh, I think that's an important risk. If a patient should develop both flu illness and COVID-19, the likelihood is that the respiratory failure and all the symptoms would be greater. Or if um, they were, um, if they developed sequentially, so the patient developed flu and then COVID-19. So the likelihood is that the illness would be much more severe. Yeah. And, and, and so what would that look like? Are we talking about your, essentially your immune system uh, getting all thrown out of whack by one disease and then another one hits you and so you're just more vulnerable to it? W- what does that look like? Yes, I think that's exactly right. Uh, simultaneous or sequential infection with uh, these two viruses, influenza and COVID-19, would really overwhelm the immune system in most patients. Uh, that's that's really um, the concern of, of the uh, and the reason for the term twindemic. It would um, make the patient uh, more likely to develop respiratory failure with uh, pneumonia in the lungs and have to be even treated in the intensive care unit. All right, we're going to pick up on that thought in just one second. Real quick, I want to remind listeners that they are listening to KCBS In Depth, our weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, the COVID storm has not yet broken, but already another maelstrom is on the horizon. We're talking about the risks this flu season could pose as we continue to deal with COVID-19. Joining us for the conversation, once again, is Dr. Michael Mathe, a professor of medicine with UC San Francisco. All right, well... Let's talk about the indicators that we have for how severe this season might become uh, in 
years past, whenever you wanted to know how bad the coming flu season was going to be, you looked first to the Southern Hemisphere to see how it was shaping up down under. And uh, this year is no different. And there are some uh, encouraging signs on that front. It seems like we're actually seeing a milder flu season in the Southern Hemisphere. A lot of folks speculating that that could be because of all the, you know, the COVID precautions that everyone are taking. Perhaps that's having an influence on the flu season as well. If you're masking for COVID, that might protect you from flu. If you're social distancing for COVID, that might help you uh, lower your chances of getting the flu as well. So uh, folks taking some encouragement from that, what do you take away from that picture in the Southern Hemisphere? Well, it is remarkable that the incidence of flu has been very low in the Southern Hemisphere to date. So that is probably like you said, uh, Keith, in part explained by the use of masks and social distancing, which has probably reduced the spread of flu in the Southern Hemisphere. So that's encouraging. But of course, in the Northern Hemisphere, um, we have a very cold climate in many parts of the United States and Europe. And um, it could be different because patients and families uh, will be together more in um, indoors because of the cold season. And so the risk of transmitting either COVID-19 or the flu will be greater. So I, I think we still are concerned about the risk for considerable expansion of flu cases uh, along with the COVID-19 in the United States uh, and in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, and I've also heard it suggested that in the Southern Hemisphere, obviously their flu season happens earlier in the year than, uh, than ours. And I've heard it suggested that they had the advantage of fighting their flu season when folks were perhaps at peak vigilance for COVID-19. Now, here we are six months into the pandemic in the Bay Area, and, you know, maybe some folks are feeling a little bit burned out. They're ready to see their friends and family. They're ready to bend the rules here or there. Could COVID fatigue maybe uh, eliminate some of that advantage that we may have seen in the Southern Hemisphere? Oh, I think that's a very thoughtful question, Keith. It's, um, it's tiresome for people to have to mask and to maintain social distance but really this is our best weapon to prevent the spread of COVID-19 as well as uh, the possible expansion and spread of flu. You know, Dr. Redfield, the um, director of the Center for Disease Control made that very clear this week in his testimony before Congress. And I think we just have to maintain vigilance and uh, really adhere to masks and also to social distancing. I think we can take solace from the fact that the Southern Hemisphere seemed to do pretty well with the flu season. And it might, as you said, in part, be related to social distancing and mask wearing. So I think it's up to us to really uh, keep up uh, and not to let down our, uh, our habits and maintain masks and uh, social distancing through the fall and winter. Yeah, I suppose the other uh, the other trend that cuts in the opposite direction is for a lot of folks, the habits of good hand hygiene, of masking, of social distancing, it's becoming a lot more natural for us at this point. And so I think for many of us, it's uh, the opposite of fatigue. It's uh, the sense that, you know, we, it's hard to imagine shaking people's hands at this point. I mean, have, have you had that experience that the habits are kind of sinking in in, in, in a way that uh, they had not early on? Yes, I think that's very perceptive, both at work and in, this, uh, in public places. I think uh, the population at large is becoming adjusted to it. Uh, sometimes there are mixed signals coming from various groups. 
But really, most people understand the value of this, and it's become uh, uh, a good habit. And um, and it and I think people recognize they're protecting themselves as well as others. So it's a double benefit. Now, another thing that we like to track each year as the flu season comes more into focus is the protection of the flu vaccine, because obviously that takes an awful lot of work, and the strains of the uh, of the flu that are presenting themselves, because it's somewhat different every year. Some strains are more dangerous than others. It's a it's a moving target. Also, makes making the vaccine a lot more challenging as well. What do we know at this point in terms of what? strain of the flu is going to uh, be prevalent this year? And how? what do we know about perhaps the, uh, the efficacy of the vaccine that we've developed for it? Well, there have been so few cases in the Southern Hemisphere and not enough in the Northern Hemisphere that I think it's too early for us to know which strain might present the greatest health problem. Although the vaccine is a quadrivalent, so it covers four different strains, This was uh, decided uh, actually last March in 2020, which which, uh, strains to be covered. So it's an educated um, plan. And um, uh, I think there's a high likelihood that the quadrivalent will provide considerable protection, uh, but we don't yet know for sure about which strain or strains might be more prevalent. Also seems to be the case, though, that the manufacturers for uh, the flu vaccine have stepped up production this year. Is, is that what you're hearing? Yes, it has. In fact, the manufacturers are producing up to 200 million vaccines this year to meet what they hope will be um, a really excellent uh, public uh, willingness to go forward with the flu vaccine. Okay, so uh, obviously the manufacturers are uh, seeing the need there as well. want to remind everybody one last time that they are listening to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Menconi. On the program now, we are discussing the coming flu season and why it could make the ongoing COVID-19 health crisis even worse. Laying out those concerns and what can be done about them, we're joined once again by Dr. Michael Mathe, a professor of medicine with UC San Francisco, who specializes in severe lung disease. So just a couple of quick more points on the flu season, and this is something we've covered before on KCBS, even on this show, but I think it bears repeating each year because there are a lot of misconceptions about the flu season. So let's just tick through these uh, briefly. Uh, If you could, you know, a lot of folks think that if you get the flu shot, that puts you at greater risk for getting a cold or getting sick in some other way. Is that true? No, that's not true. Getting the flu vaccine does not put you at greater risk of other respiratory illnesses. It's an important message to get out there. And so essentially, it's just strength. The upshot is it's it's strengthening your immune system. It definitely is. It's giving a, an immune boost to the whole system and uh, makes it um, much less likely that you'll develop serious illness from influenza. You might still develop cold-like symptoms, but much less likely to develop pneumonia or an illness that requires hospitalization. All right. Important point to make. And another important point to make is when is the best time to get a flu shot? Because the coverage does not last for an entire year. So you kind of have to be mindful of when you're timing that. Yes. Yes, that's true. But I think the I think that we should start with getting our flu vaccines in September and October. That is what's being done at all the major hospitals in the Bay Area for healthcare workers. We're beginning vaccinations later in September and in October. So I think the public at large should start now 
um, just like Dr. Han described with the um, uh, free vaccines will be available for the flu in Santa Clara uh, starting this weekend and continuing uh, through uh, the month of December. Yeah, so uh, a lot of good sources there. We're going to broaden the conversation out a little bit, uh, get a little bit more forward-looking. And, you know, there, there, there has been so much talk about the COVID-19 vaccine, not the flu vaccine, but the COVID-19 vaccine, and when it's going to be available, how it's going to be made available. Obviously, even once it's developed, it needs to be distributed, and that presents its own set of challenges. And then once it's distributed, people need to actually take it. And that is not a certain thing, especially with so much confusion right now about uh, uh, who, who, who will give the official sign-off on its efficacy and safety. So could this uh, flu season perhaps be a dry run of the distribution for the COVID-19 vaccine? I think that's a really good point, Keith. I think the process of going through the flu vaccines now in the um, early fall to prevent uh, serious flu illnesses through the fall and winter will be an excellent uh, run-in for hopefully uh, the distribution and uh, implementation of COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, Dr. Redfield testified uh, before Congress this week that uh, we should recognize that's likely not to be available until the second or third quarter of 2021 at the earliest. But I think the process of the public at large getting the flu vaccine will be an excellent uh, dry run for what we hope will be uh, being vaccinated against COVID-19 in 2021. Yeah, so I suppose just good to get in that mindset of overall public health preparedness. You know, many have pointed out that there is a certain amount of politicization that is uh, happening around this vaccination process at the moment with President Trump uh, making promises about when it will be fulfilled. It's leading others to be worried that it's being rushed and that uh, safety will not be assured. As a somebody, you know, who is familiar with public health, what will you be looking for to uh, w- what are the signs to you that the vaccine really is fully baked, ready to go? Uh, who, who, who would you look to for the official sign off? Well, I think we definitely would look to Dr. Fauci. Um, He has provided superb leadership throughout this pandemic. And I think he will be able to recommend to the public when it is time to go ahead and um, be publicly, uh, for the public to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The process does involve um, careful review by the data safety monitoring boards that are overseeing all of the trials of the vaccines for COVID-19. And they will, I'm quite sure, make good decisions based on both the safety and the efficacy data. And this will take time and it should not be rushed. But I think in the end, the NIH, Dr. Francis Collins, the head, and uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, they will really provide the public with uh, the information they need uh, when they should proceed to, um, to get the uh, COVID-19 vaccines. In the meantime, just like uh, Dr. Redfield said and Dr. Fauci said, fortunately, we have the effective approach of mask and social distancing, um, and that will help uh, certainly and has helped for uh, reducing the spread of COVID-19. All right. Speaking once again to Dr. Michael Mathe with UC San Francisco, while we have you on the line, we might as well get you on your own 
personal research because uh, since we have an expert on the topic, we might as well hear a little bit about that topic. You've been leading a study on uh, a a certain treatment, uh, not originally designed for COVID-19, but it's uh, perhaps efficacious in the COVID-19 pandemic as well, focused on uh, severe lung damage called uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS. And uh, I believe the treatment that you are studying involves stem cells. Is that correct? Yes, it's a kind of uh, cell-based therapy called uh, mesenchymal stromal cells derived from the bone marrow of healthy, normal donors. And we have considerable preclinical data that it may be effective. So we are currently running a randomized clinical trial to test these cells for treatment of ARDS, the severe cause of acute respiratory failure in COVID-19 patients. And um, we've enrolled 32 patients so far, most of them in the Bay Area at UCSF San Francisco and San Francisco General Hospital, uh, though it's a multi-center trial as well. And our goal is to enroll 120 patients, and then we'll know um, how effective it has been. And this this is a ways out from being a general uh, treatment for COVID-19, still a lot more research to do. But... Maybe the the way in for our listeners to appreciate this a little bit more, what what does this research tell us about the sorts of damage that COVID-19 is causing to our lungs? If it's something that takes stem cells to fix, I mean, that sounds like it is uh, damaging the lungs in a a pretty fundamental way. Well, the uh, damage to the lungs from COVID-19 is a severe viral pneumonia, which does cause the accumulation of fluid in the lungs and considerable inflammation. Now, one point that we should make is there has been progress in identifying and proving one antiviral therapy that has been uh, reported and is effective, and that's called remdesivir. In fact, professors Luke Meyer and Dornberger at UCSF um, led those trials locally, and they've been international trials. And then secondly, another therapy um, completed by a large clinical trials group in in uh, the United Kingdom uh, showed that dexamethasone also has therapeutic benefit. But neither of these completely solve the problem. So we need additional treatments, uh, one of which could be this cell-based therapy. But we are testing several other possible therapies in both local clinical trials and NIH-sponsored trials, including, for example, monoclonal antibody therapies. So there's a big effort Um, from the NIH and uh, all our different clinical trial groups to test several different therapies. We do have particular interest in the cell-based therapies, but we uh, also are active in these other trials. All right. Well, a lot of promising developments there and big changes on the horizon, cutting in a lot of different directions. So a lot to watch. We have been speaking to Dr. Michael Mathe. He's a professor of medicine with UC San Francisco who specializes in severe lung disease. Dr. Michael Mathe, thank you so much for your insight. Well, thanks very much for having me. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Stay safe, be well, get vaccinated. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.